What's going on? What's going on, Callaway Sports fan? I am back. I am your host, Kim Callaway, back with another episode to the podcast, man. We got a very, very good show, man. NBA playoffs has kicked off. We got some big boxing news. We got some big NFL news. So, uh, buckle up, man. It's going to be a good episode. We're going to switch up the format a little bit. We're going to go boxing first, NBA last, UFC and NFL in the mix. But um, happy to be back. Happy for another episode. Glad that y'all tuning in, man. We got a good one, man. I promise y'all. We got a good one. And uh, shout out to Kwame Brown because today y'all go get some of my mother's cooking. I'm going to let this instrument run as usual. We'll get right to the episode with Big Boxing News, Callaway Sports, and we here. Welcome back, welcome back, man. As promised, you know, we're kicking it off with our big boxing news, man. So let's get right into it, man. Um, to kick things off, man, uh, if y'all haven't heard, Manny Pacquiao and Earl Spence Jr. has signed to fight in August. August 21st in Las Vegas. The WBC and IBF titles will be on the line. This is a very, very big announcement, and in my opinion, it'll be fight of the year. Um, it just shows uh, that the World's Way division is 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 kicking things off in high gear. I was just saying on my last my last podcast, my last episode, you know, why hasn't we, you know, why haven't we heard any, you know, fights? With, with the welterweight division, as many talented fighters that it is, we haven't heard anything. Uh, we haven't heard anything from Sean Porter, Earl Spence, Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia. We haven't heard anything. Uh, so, I, you know, me as a fan of boxing, I'm wondering... The most talent-filled division we haven't heard anything from. Why is that? And, uh, man, they dropped a bomb on us. Um, Pacquiao versus Spence, man. And uh, I cannot wait. But with that being said, man, what does that say about the 42, the 42-year-old Manny Pacquiao? What does this say about him signing to fight Earl Spence? And I think it's simple. Even at his age, even with everything he's accomplished in his career, at 42 years of age, the Hall of Famer, the Senator, the all-time great is still hungry for tough challenges. The, I mean, not even tough challenges, the toughest challenges. His last fight, we seen him fight Keith Thurman. Um, and with that victory, we've seen Manny turn back the clock in those early rounds. But, man, I mean, for Manny to go out to the top guy at 147, the toughest guy at 147, I mean, it just shows how much of a warrior Manny is. And, uh, man, uh, like, I'm just excited talking about it, and I can't wait till the fight actually gets here. So, and I mean, for Earl Spence, is you know, this is just another legacy fight for him. This is a big fight for him. His, in my opinion, what would be his toughest test. You know, a lot of people see it as, uh, you know, Manny's past the hill. Yeah, of course, he's 42, but, you know, he's not washed. He's not, he's not a shell of himself. Manny is a tough fight for anybody uh, at 147. Uh, and he would be Earl's toughest fight, uh, in my opinion. So, um, it's a win-win for 
both guys because it just shows uh, the competitor in Manny, and this is Earl's chance to really get um, that, you know, not even a big money fight, but of course this will be a big money fight, but now you fight, you know, you're getting that legend fight. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing as a boxing fan to finally see this one. Um, but one important fact about this is Manny and his team were in contract negotiations to sign and fight Crawford, Terrence Bud Crawford. Those uh, talks fell through. They fell apart. And it just proves to me, it just shows, you know, think about why Earl and Terrence couldn't sign the fight. At this point, it's not that Earl doesn't fight, you know, that Earl doesn't want to fight Bud or that Manny doesn't want to fight Bud. It is Bud, and, and it has nothing to do with Terrence Crawford. It's his team and his management and top ranking those guys. I just don't believe that they're very good at um, getting, you know, the big deals uh, and big fights for their fighters. You know, outside of Fury and Wilder, they couldn't get the um, Fury and Joshua fight, and we'll talk about that next. So it just shows that, you know, Bob Ehrman and, and Top Rank aren't really doing the best that they can do for their fighters. And um, it's just just a sad situation, you know, especially for Terrence Crawford, a guy who I feel, you know, he's a competitor. You know, I know he seeks those tough, you know, those, those top challenges, and he can't get those because of his team and his management at Top Rank. He's a guy that deserves it as well. But enough about Terrence Crawford. Um... Deontay Wilder throws a monkey wrench in the in future heavyweight fights. Being you know being completely honest, we all wanted you know Wilder versus Joshua. Um, those you know kind of fell apart uh, with Joshua losing and then you know Wilder ended up losing. But now you think about it like this. Once we kind of shifted away from that, and then the Fury and Wilder you know they had their two fights. Fury and the Big Wilder now is okay. We want that UK showdown. Um, we want Fury versus Joshua. Wilder threw a monkey wrench in that. Um, his uh, team threw out a arbitration, which leads to the third fight with Fury that will take place in in, in July, July twenty fourth, in Vegas at the T Mobile Arena. And uh, as a fan, uh, I feel that you know. Either fight, you know, I would have been okay with. You know, either fight, I would have been okay with. But I was definitely, definitely looking forward to um, Fury versus Anthony Joshua, you know. Oh, especially with the way that especially with the way that Fury took care of and, 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 and picked apart Wilder in the last fight. Wasn't very excited for this third fight. But seeing the work that Wilder has put in uh, gives me a little bit more hope. And, and truth be told, I feel like he owes it to Wilder. The first fight was a draw. Yes, you won the second fight very, very convincingly. But this is a man who uh, pretty much destroyed everybody that he was in the ring with. Uh, you know, so still excited for it. You know, we're still getting the best fights at, you know, all levels pretty much. You know, we got... A potential fight between Canelo and Caleb Plant. Uh, the middleweights, not so much, but I'm, you know, I'm hoping sometime soon uh, this year we'll get some better fights there. Of course, the welterweights will do their thing. The lightweights, uh, Tank, you know, stepping up to fight 
Mario Barrios, you know, we're getting some great fights. And, and, and I feel that boxing is getting back to boxing, even with the roadblocks that we've had, you know, boxing is still getting back to it. With his fight with Fury falling apart, um, the WBO orders Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk. If you're not familiar with Usyk, I, you know, I recommend that you get very, very familiar with him. He's a great fighter. Um, very, very talented. Small, you know, he's on he, he's on the smaller side for a heavyweight, but he, he's, he's very skillful, and I think that would be a great fight if, you know, they actually go through with it. Uh, he's not a mandatory or anything like that, um, but we'll see. You know, Eddie Hearn says that he won't rule out any scenario for Anthony Joshua, so that means, you know, a potential third fight with Andy Ruiz. Um, if, you know, he wants to go through with this fight with Alexander Usyk, we can see that. Um, we can possibly see... Another new challenger, Luis Ortiz says, Usyk is too small. Well, you know, he should fight a big boy like myself. And Luis Ortiz has been on a tear since his last loss to uh, Wilder. He's pretty much been running through uh, his last two guys. So, you know, Joshua has options now. Um, and and it'll just create more buzz and more build to his fight with either Wilder or Fury, depending on, you know, who wins his uh, third fight. But like I said, man, uh, we got some, you know, we got some very, very big fights coming. But I feel like the biggest of them all will be Pacquiao versus Spence, man. And, you know, over the next few months, you know, um, as we get closer to Pacquiao versus Spence and Wilder versus Fury, you know, I'm going to go in-depth with the breakdowns of those fights and how I see those uh, playing out. So stay tuned for those. Those will be taking place on my podcast and my YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, same as my podcast, Callaway Sports. Uh, I did a breakdown of the um, Spence versus Garcia fight, Danny Garcia, uh, how I felt that that fight would play out. They took down my follow-up video. Um, never, I never reposted it. Um, you know, I just felt that they'll do it again. Um, but check that out. And coming soon, I'll be doing more of those. Um, but coming up next, man, we got our UFC news. UFC topics, NFL news, and we go top it off with our NBA news because the playoffs are here, and we have some very, very interesting games to start things off. back at it with our NFL segment and our NFL topics. Not too much has been going on in the NFL that I feel, you know, should be talked about, but we have um, some 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 very big news. When it comes down to one of the best receivers in the league, man, Julio Jones wants out. Uh, this is something that we've, you know, as as fans and, and, and people who really pay attention to the sport have been kind of wondering about for about the last two seasons. And, and, and this time it's official. It's actually true. He has requested a trade. Julio does not want to be in uh, Atlanta anymore, and it's kind of surprising in a way uh, with, you know, with them just drafting Kyle Pitts, who I feel is a generational talent. He definitely boosts that um, offense up, and I, I just find it a little odd that, you know, Julio is uh, ready to leave now, but at the same time, I don't, because when you think about when they were in the Super Bowl, they had a big lead up on uh 
Tom and the Patriots, and they end up losing that. And, you know, they just kind of been on, on the decline ever since. And this is a guy who's not getting any younger. Uh, and he wants to win. You know, he wants to be somewhere where he can win games. And I don't blame him for that. I'm hoping that the Falcons don't hold him hostage. Um, you know, I feel that, you know, they should explore um, and look at the options for the team that's interested in Julio. Of course, you know, players have been throwing their, uh, their you know, their recruiting. I guess you can say it. I mean, they've players have been trying to recruit Julio. I'm not sure if it's going to, you know, do much for him. You know, of course, people uh, will uh, speculate with, you know, players that he's hanging with or, or players that he's uh, doing workouts with. Um but as far as the teams that's interested in Julio, my Baltimore Ravens are. We have never paid a receiver more than eight point five million. Julio's a guy that you you know would like to spend that money on if you can trade for him, and you know, you know if you take over his contract, that you know that's fine. You know he he he's definitely worth it. The Forty Niners are interested in him. You know uh, Trey Lance is over there. You get that young quarterback a top top target like a uh, Julio Jones to factor in that he still have. Uh, Debo Samuel, uh, you know, he still has um, Brandon uh, Brandon Ayuk, I believe, yes, and George Kittle. You know, that'd be a tough, tough offense to deal with if Trey Lance comes in there and, you know, he does what, you know, he's supposed to do. Uh, along with the Ravens and the 49ers, New England, you got to know Bill Belichick's going to throw his hat in. He's going to throw, you know, he's going to punch his ticket to try to get Julio there. You know, he's been one Julio for a long time. So uh doesn't surprise me that uh you know Bill wants him as well. You factor in that uh if they can get Julio, you get Cam a top dog. If you watch um I Am Athlete, you know, um that's what Chad Johnson was saying that Cam Newton was missing as far as the offense goes. He's missing a dog. Julio Jones is he's a dog, man. We all know that. Um and then, you know, if they would like to move on from Cam Newton on down the line. You got Mac Jones. So, um, very, very smart for Bill and those guys to, you know, punch their ticket in uh, the sweepstakes to try and get Julio Jones along with those three teams. You got the Titans and the Eagles. Um, I feel like with all these teams, you know, it's a very good fit. If Julio wants to go somewhere where he wants to win, um, I feel like it's a certain extent when it comes down to a team like um, – Philly, you know, if you get Julio there, you know, with Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, you know, and those guys, do I believe they can win games? Most definitely. Do I believe that, that they can win the Super Bowl? No. Of course, they'll be uh, possibly the best team in the NFC East that they can get a Julio Jones and they can win games. We all know the NFC East is not very, very talent field, not very competitive. Uh, but, you know, you add Julio there, of course, your team is immediately better. Uh, but I just don't believe that Philly is a place where he wants to go if he really wants to win. I, I believe Baltimore, of course, is a place where he can go if he really wants to win. New England is a place that he can go if he really wants to win. With that defense over there, you know, uh, that's been kind of a thing with Atlanta over the last few years. The defense has been, you know, average. But you go somewhere like New England, who's a top, you know, not even a top five, but a top three defense almost every year. You know, it's a win-win. 
Uh, you get over there with some um, with a vet like Cam Newton. You guys, you know, create chemistry and you know things like that. You know, uh, your team and your chances to come out of the AFC is very very high. You know, despite even having uh, you know, Mahomes and Lamar and Buffalo and all those guys there, it's just what Julio can bring to the table makes any team better. Uh, but and as far as the 49ers, you know, I, you know that's a very solid defense as well. Uh, they definitely had their uh, issues with staying healthy uh, this past year. So eager to see what they can do, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens within the next week or two, or you know, even on down the line. We will keep our eyes um, open and our ears open. I'll be watching very, very closely to see where Julio will land. Uh, and last on our NFL topic, man, uh, Aaron Rodgers. We know that Rodgers has – he also wants out, you know. He doesn't want to be in Green Bay. Um, and the story that came out recently was that he skipped out on OTAs. Um, not a big deal, but at the same time, it is a big deal. Um, I've known for guys to skip out on OTAs before, and, you know, they still – um, they still happen to be committed to that team. It's just up to Green Bay to really patch up the issues that they that that Rogers have with him. I, I feel like with with Rogers, it's just a it's an issue with you know not getting him the offensive help that he uh, needs. You know, of course he can. When you're Aaron Rodgers, when you're as great as Aaron Rodgers is, and then you throw Devontae Adams in with that mix, and then you get Aaron Jones. Yes, that's very, very good. And some people say, well, he may be asked for too much. Well, you have to look at it like this. Since drafting Adams and Aaron Jones, they have not taken a offensive weapon in the early rounds, in the first round, or anything like that that can help Aaron Rodgers. They took Jordan Love, and to Aaron Rodgers, that, that, you know, that looks like you know, you're trying to push me out the door. You're, you know, drafting my replacement when I'm not on any type of decline at all. So I understand, you know, why Rodgers feel the way that he does about the organization because this is a guy who just wants to win as well. Uh, so we'll keep our eye on that. We'll see if Rodgers will be able to move or not. Coming up next and last, it is our NBA news, man. Let's cover these playoffs. So let's get into it. Coming up next. My apologies, my apologies, man. Uh, looking at my notes, uh, kind of glancing back and forth, and um, totally forgot and skipped over my UFC segment. So we're going to go UFC segment, then our NBA segment. We still go in with our NBA topic, man. But uh, real quick, let's get into this UFC news, man. Um, I was so eager to, you know, talk about Julio and Aaron Rodgers and, you know, forgot that, you know, we had a few topics to cover as far as mixed martial arts go. Um Recently, Charles Oliveira became the new king of the lightweight division. Uh, when it comes down to UFC, I believe that the 155-pound division is the most talent-filled division in the company. When you think about the great fights that can be made there um, and all the great fighters that's you know inside that top five, top six, um, let alone the top ten. You got Oliveira, who's now the champion. He's now the king of the lightweights. Um, Dustin Poirier, 
Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson. Now you can throw Benil Darius's name. Um, Islam, Michael Melov. He's a Russian who, I mean, he pretty much fights exactly like his teammate Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, Conor Galepsi. It's a lot of uh, it, it's a lot of top guys at 155. Um, not sure if Kevin Lee will go back to 55. I know his next fight will be at 70, but it's so it, it, it's so that 155 pound division is so rich. There's so many you know fights that can be made. Uh, of course, coming soon with Oliveira just defeating Chandler for the belt, uh, and then you got Connor and Dustin set to fight. Uh, in July, Benil Darius just dominated Tony Ferguson. Justin Gaethje does not have a fight. You can go Gaethje versus Darius. You can go Gaethje versus Chandler. Um, those guys can sit back and wait. Uh, if anybody wants to take on Islam, they can as well. But um, Charles Oliveira is, is is the new king of the lightweights. He's just been through it all. He, he you know he he's had his ups and downs and. Uh, since then, he's just um, really, really coming to his own. He, he's really coming to his prime, and it's great to see uh, Charles really just step up to the challenge. It was a it was a rough start to the fight. You know, Michael Chandler has said before that he felt that Charles, when that pressure sets in on him and, and adversity sets in, he crumbles. And Charles showed that, you know, when you can, you know, dig down deep, and, and, and still having to fight back and win. I mean, Charles just showed us another version of himself. You know, just he, he just hit uh he just hit another ceiling. You know, when you look back at his fights with uh Frankie Edgar at one forty five, fights where he was in it but it would take one or two shots to to, to kinda, you know, knock him off balance and you know, he couldn't really just um recover from it. You know, once once guys started to hit him and hurt him, you know, Charles would crumble. You know, go back and look at his fight with Paul Felder. You know, the same thing happened. So uh, to see him bounce back like that, it was it was it was very very nice to see. It, it was it was it was great. Honestly, you know, just straight up, you know, it was great to see him rise to the um, occasion. Uh, truth be told, I was shocked to see that he was the favorite in the fight. Uh, just you know, because of the fact that Michael Chandler had a very very great debut you know he's a former champion he he's 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 seasoned you know uh he's very seasoned as well so I, I was expecting Chandler to be the favorite uh but you know he wasn't and um Charles Oliveira was for a reason but uh as I hinted at earlier you know Benil Darius did dominate Tony Ferguson uh he's now cracked you know he's now cracking to that top five uh you know the cream of the crop of the lightweight uh title pitcher and more than anything, it, it just puts in perspective. Tony Ferguson is what, 36, 37 now. This was a guy who, um, before his loss, before, you know, his loss to Gaethje, the man who was on a 12-fight win streak, he was beating everybody. He was the boogeyman of the lightweight division, and now we see him lose not two, but three straight, which has never happened. Two, two fights straight had never happened in his career. Now it's three. Uh, the loss to Gaethje, the loss to Charles Oliveira, and now to Benil Darius. Is it the way I see it with Tony Ferguson? Um, the unorthodox 
style of fighting that he brought, you know, that he brings to the table, it can only last you so long once you start to get older. And 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 father time starts to sneak in on you, and, and you have these injuries in your career and things like that. When you're not very technical with this this wave of fighters, especially in the lightweight title picture, who's very technical, who can you know really make you pay for the mistakes and the wild um, chances that you take in fights. It's not it's, it's 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 not very hard to beat a guy like Tony Dean. Um but his toughness is second to none. It's just where does Tony go from here now? You know, of course he says that he's not retiring, but you know, who do you put Tony in there with? You know, can Tony really get to the top of the division and potentially fight for the title again, you know, with him getting a lot older and, and, and having these fights where, you know, he's kind of, you know, taking some punishment in. You watch his, if you go back and watch his fight with Gaethje, Gaethje put a beating on him. Charles, you know, bent his arm and that arm bar very, very hard. Uh, of course, Tony didn't tap, but he, I mean, he got taken down. He got dominated. Same thing with Benil. Benil took him down. He, he, he dominated him. Nasty, nasty heel hook. Um, Benil said he heard his knee pop, but Tony didn't tap. So, you know, he's taking some, some punishment in these fights, but it's just, a, you know, you just wonder, where does Tony go from here now? Um, next, uh, this past weekend, Rob Font took on Cody Garbrandt, uh, at 135, and, uh, Rob Font pretty much picked, uh, Cody, he picked Cody apart, man, you know, he, he just looked like a sharper, uh, more technical striker, um, and I was the one, you know, who was a, who was a fan of Cody for a very, very long time, and still is a fan of Cody, but now it's getting to a point to, with, with Cody, he has technical errors as well. You know, he, he loads up uh, so much on some of his shots, and, uh, he you know, he becomes very, very predictable in these fights. And, it, you know, it makes you wonder, what can you do to, to, to change your style to get back into that Bantamweight top picture? If he still wants to stay at Bantamweight, you know, I know he was um, preparing to take the uh, weight cut and drop to 125. Wonder if you know he's still gonna do that. I believe it is the smart thing to do. If I'm Cody, you know, you get a fresh start at 125, and you know, can potentially get into that, you know, top picture. You know, they need a top guy in that weight class as well to kind of you know spice things up. But uh, for Cody, I feel like you know that, that's the best thing for him. And uh, last on our UFC uh, list, uh, the UFC is working on a rematch between now the new heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. Versus Derek, versus Derek Lewis. So uh, in that first fight, it was a snooze fest. You know, uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody watch that fight. We um, back then were expecting fireworks. Two of the you know, two of the heaviest hitters in the heavyweight division, and uh, they pretty much didn't do anything. This time around, I believe it's gonna be a lot different. Uh, Francis has you know tightened up his uh, striking, but you know Derek Lewis is still Derek Lewis, and he's gotten better. Uh, so for him to get this title shot, I'm very, very happy for him. And, you know, this time I think it, it, it's going to be an opposite uh, of what we've seen in the first fight. Uh, but it puts in perspective as well. What is the UFC going to do with John Jones now? You know, John was, you know, really won that fight with uh, Francis since vacating his UFC lightweight title, moving up to heavyweight. He's been, you know, pretty much getting himself in heavyweight shape, you know, uh, framing himself up. He looks great from, you know, his, 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 his training videos that he's posting. 
And um, I think as fans, we're all waiting to see um, heavyweight John Jones. But this is a guy who has paid his dues, has ha, has done everything uh, inside the octagon, the, you know, in my opinion, the right way. You know, everybody has their um, everybody has their bumps in the roads. You know, John has uh, had a very very complicated career, but it doesn't change the fact that he is the most dominant champion that we've seen within the last five to what really about 10 years you know john has has dominated for a very very long time he's beaten the best of best he's cleaned out that light heavyweight division twice um when you look at his resume cormier uh shogun uh rampage machida chael son and vitor belfort um he's got gustafson he's got he's got dominic reyes Thiago Santos, you know, and the list goes on and on. I mean, at some point, the man's got to get paid, you know. Um, when you're as talented as John Jones, you know, and you've been underpaid this, you know, pretty much for your whole career, you know, you want to get, um, you want to get that big, you know, that big check, you know, when you see what Connor's getting and, you know, these other guys, you know. I'm not mad at John for wanting to get what I feel is owed to him. But, you know, we'll see if we'll get heavyweight John Jones this year. I hope that we do. But now, as promised, NBA segments coming up, man. Let's get into these playoffs. All right, man, as promised, man. Now we're here to our NBA segment. It is the last segment. And um, the playoffs are here. The play-in games are over. And uh, the road to the NBA uh, championship is, you know I mean, you know, it's a highway to it now. You got all these great teams that's uh, there. So let's get into it, man. Uh, I'm going to cover some of the games that happened last night and the ones that, you know, I've missed. So last night we've seen the Bucks destroy the Miami Heat, man. I mean, this is a complete 180, you know, off of what happened in the bubble last year. We've seen Miami pretty much just take it to the Bucks. And now it's the Bucks who are taking to Miami, man. It's uh, I wouldn't say it's a surprise, you know. The Bucks are, are a very good team for the last two years. I've always said that, but I've always said they've been a very good regular season team. And I think you know, once you get into those battles and and you get into those playoff losses, you learn how to you know better prepare yourself for. The playoffs, um, and I think that's what Giannis and the Bucks are doing. I think Drew Holiday coming over was a big help. Do I believe? Uh, do I believe the Bucks can get out the East? Maybe, maybe. You know, I still feel that you know Giannis is, is he doesn't have a a very you know a a, a superstar wingman. I, I've said that before. Uh, I've gone Rick and it before. Chris Middleton is a very good player. I just don't believe he is. Uh, you know. You know, I I just don't believe he's the, you know, the top guy that we expect him to be. Uh, when you think about duos um, in the league now and in the past, you think about Kobe and Shaq. You think about, you know, Shaq and D-Wade. You think about, um, think about Harden and, uh, Harden and Russ when they were in Houston. You think about Harden and Harden CP3. You think about KD and um, Russ. You know, those are all-star players um, who were teammates. And, you know, that's what Giannis is missing. Uh, but, you know, he's got two good solid wingmen that they can, you know, keep it up 
and hold it up, you know, they'll be very, very good. Uh, and a big threat to come out of the East. Uh, when you look at the game that they've had with Brooklyn, uh, they kind of, you know, they they kind of take it to Brooklyn too. I feel like Brooklyn doesn't really have an answer for Giannis uh, when they match up. So, but the Bucks destroyed the Heat, man, and and, and Miami's down 0-2. So I'm willing to see, you know. Those dogs that we've seen last year, you know, those dogs got to show up now. Um, because now you're in a situation where your back is almost against the wall, man. So uh, something's got to change if you're, um, if, you're, if you're Miami, you know, you got to do something different now. Uh, but uh, other than that, the Nuggets take out the Blazers after Dame and those guys had a, a very good first uh, first game, game one. We see Melo. See Melo get hot. Dame was being Dame. Um, Jokic surprisingly didn't really have the uh, game that I expected him to have. I, I, I expect him to have either a triple double or something close to it. But Jokic ended up having just one assist. So um, I believe that was um, a big, big key, a big key component why uh, they didn't win Game One. But Game Two was completely different. They kind of, you know, they pretty much took it to uh, Dame and those guys. They they really didn't have an answer for Jokic. And uh, it shows, you know, if the series is, is, if they can't find a way to contain Jokic without a Jamal Murray now, then, you know, Portland's going to be in for a long series, man. But um, I believe that this series is possibly would be the most competitive series. Uh, I think it's going to be, the most fun to watch along with possibly the Knicks and the uh, Hawks. That was a great game as well. Shout out to Trey Young, that uh, game winner. But I believe these two, um, these two series would be the ones to watch. But series is 1-1. Going back to Portland, uh, eager to see the adjustments that both teams make, but more of Portland. You know, y'all find a way to uh, contain uh, Jokic now, so even see if they can do that. Also, um, can the Mavs go up 2-0? Um, right now, and I, I, I felt like this last year, um, despite the two possibly top two-way guys in the league, Kawhi Paul George and the Clippers do not have an answer for Luka Doncic. Luka Magic has 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 given them everything that they can handle since last year in the bubble to now. Uh so if the Mavs go up 2-0, I, I you know, I wouldn't say the series is over, but it'd be close to it uh for the Clippers, you know, seeing how they how they collapse having a 3-1 lead against Denver last year. And I'm just waiting to see Kawhi and PG really be those defenders that we know that they can be. Uh, we've seen Jamal Murray give them that work last year in the bubble. Now is Luka doing the same thing that he did in in the bubble last year to them. And now he's doing it again. But now uh, they have different weapons. They have more weapons. Uh, Kendrick, you know, not Kendrick, but Kristaps um, didn't even have a very good game one. Uh, but if he's better than what he did in game one and Jalen Bronson plays the way that he did, um, Holloway Jr. plays the way that he did, 
Clippers gonna have to come with a little bit more. They're gonna have to come with a little bit more. Now, of course, yeah, that poster dunk on uh, Cleveland was seen all across social media. But come to find out, at the end, y'all lost the game. Y'all come a little bit more because Dallas is ready. Dallas is ready to take those guys out, especially after last year in the bubble. Porzingis got hurt. He got ejected in game one or two. Uh, these guys are hungry, man, and 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 they come to take LA out. Uh, but uh, next man, the Lakers, man, are it, it it's a repeat in jeopardy. It's a repeat in jeopardy. You know they lost game one to uh, Phoenix and. Just like Steve Nate and those guys said, and I agree with it, watching the game, the best player on the court was Devin Booker, man. I mean, I've been a Booker fan since he was in Kentucky coming off the bench, man. And every year, Booker's gotten better and better and better and better. And, and, and to now see him in the playoffs and, you know, taking it head on, being effective, being sharp, I mean, just a killer. That's what I seen from Devin Booker. Him just being a killer, and that's with a compromised Chris Paul. Now, of course, Bron didn't have the best game. AD didn't have the best game, but DeAndre Aiden had an even better game. He was nine for ten. You know, he was pretty much giving AD everything that he can handle on the defensive end. So now it just comes in, and, and, and it's surprising because AD pretty much handled them by himself before the season ended, and we seen a completely different AD in Game One. Lakers got to come with it, man. Uh, unnecessary turnovers. Uh, defense looked uh, just lazy. They were lally gagging. Um, when you look at Phoenix with a compromise, Chris Paul, I mean, you got to know. Chris Paul makes every team better, and, and they're not going to just lay down to the Lakers either. You guys are the defending champions. These guys are coming to take you out as well, so... You know, at this point, they're going to have to come on with it, man. Uh, we'll see game two, uh, what version of the Lakers that we'll see. Same thing with the Hawks and uh, and and the Knicks, man. That was a great game to uh, see, man. And uh, we'll see the adjustments the Knicks can make on down the line to, you know, close the game out better. Uh, I believe defensively they have to come up with something to stop uh, Trey Young. And uh, once you can do that, then, you know, your team will be – and. Uh, the team would be in a better, a better spot. Uh, but along with that, you got Brooklyn and Boston. Boston got off to a hot start at the beginning of uh, Game One, but um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn just they just stayed the course, weathered the storm, and and finished a lot stronger than uh, Boston did. And it. it it sucks for Boston because they're missing such a key piece. They're missing Jalen Brown. I believe with Jalen Brown, they'll be able to compete even better than what they did in game one. But I just don't see them beating Brooklyn. I, I don't believe they have enough to take Brooklyn out, especially a healthy Brooklyn team with Harden, Kyrie, and Katie. You know, um, if they want to, outside of Tatum, who played a very, very good game as well, outside of Tatum and uh, Kemba, you got to get a third option that's going to give you – a third and fourth option that's going to give you a little bit more because you're missing that from, from Jalen Brown. You're missing that, you know, that, that 19 to 25 points that Jalen Brown can give you, and sometimes even more. You're missing that. So if, if you can – Tatum's going to have to go for 30 every game. <clears throat> With the way Kimba has played lately, Kimba's been great, but Kimba's going to have to go 
22 or more every game. And then, you, you know, affecting um, with a Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's going to have to pitch in 14 to 16. Evan Fournier, that's what they brought you here for. You have to pitch in your, you know, 14 to 16 as well. Um, and then everybody else is just pretty much kind of fall into their role. You know, Robert uh, Williams was a great defensively. Uh, hold down the paint and, 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 and rebound. Tristan Thompson should do the same. Um, because, yes, you have to worry about some things defensively, but you have to keep up with this team offensively as well. They're one of the best offensive teams in the NBA this season. So it's, it's definitely going to come down to what can you get offensively outside of Tatum and Kimball, man. But uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, man. Um, Philly and um, the Wizards, very good uh, game one, but kind of I see that the same way. I just don't feel that Washington has enough to compete with Philly. I, I, I don't believe that they'll have an answer for Joel Embiid. Uh, Tobias Harris was great in game one. I believe he had 37-28 the first half with, with with Russ and Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal just going to have to be a little bit more effective down the stretch, uh, and they got to take care of the ball as well, man. So we got some very, very good games, man. Uh, shout out to Memphis for uh, taking out Utah in game one. But, you know, Devin Mitchell will be back for game two, so – Interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, but, hey, stay tuned, man. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in for another episode of the Callaway Sports Podcast. I am your host once again, Kendall Callaway. Be sure to um, send this and spread this out to everybody, man, all those sports fanatics. And uh, coming soon will be more YouTube videos on, uh, on the breakdowns of fights, man. So uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Callaway Sports. Callaway Sports. Y'all yeah, will see my logo on there. And, uh, you know, Show me some love on there. But I thank y'all for tuning in, man. Y'all have a good one.